Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fan. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. Very happy to be joining you on our podcast feed, on all the different podcasting platforms, plus on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Inside Troy Live. We're simulcasting the Peristyle Podcast with me, your host, Ryan Abraham, alongside over here, Chris Trevino, doing a great job covering the Trojans. It's been a crazy first week of USC football. We just got back from... USC Tuesday practice. We're going to talk to you all about that. What happened in the Rice game? Looking ahead to Stanford and all that. If you have any questions or comments for the show, you can email us podcast at uscfootball.com or you can give us a call or send us a text at 424-254-9141. Leave us a brief voicemail or shoot us a text. We'd love to uh, read that on the air. And if you're listening on an Apple on the Apple podcasting platform or any of the podcasting platforms like Google. Uh, Spotify, if there's a way you can leave us a five-star rating, and we know you can do that on Apple, please do subscribe, follow it on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star rating. That really does help grow the show. And, you know, you're at the water cooler, you want to tell a friend that's a USC football fan, or maybe they hate the Trojans, whatever. Hey, you want to know more about what's going on with USC? You got to check out the Peristyle Podcast. And a big reason to check it out is because we got this guy, Chris Trevino, who knows everything that's going around the football program. Chris, buddy, how you doing, man? I don't know about everything, but I'm doing well. Fun first week, moving into our first road game week. Yes. I'm not as tired as I thought I would be after the first week. Yeah. Maybe that's some workflow stuff. We have a little bit of a bigger team, so that that that's helpful, but I'm feeling good. Yeah, sometimes the bigger team actually uh, makes more work. But we're well, okay. when you're at the top, not for me. I'm a middleman. <laughs> I'm a middleman. I don't have to. I don't have to sign checks. I don't have to give clearances for anything. I'm just right in the middle, baby. That's my sweet spot. But it's good. You're doing an awesome job. And the, if you guys haven't checked out uscfootball.com, we do have a big team. Uh, we we had a whole bunch of people at the game, a whole bunch of people at every practice. Tons of content going up, lots of interviews, analysis. Uh, check it out. It's been a lot of fun and uh, really happy to have the, you know put this team together. So check it out. And if you are not a subscriber, today is the last day for the biggest sale of the year. No brainer. 75% off uscfootball.com subscription. Jump in there. Literally, if you're watching this live, you have until midnight Eastern, so 9 p.m. on the West Coast uh, here. So if you're listening as we recorded this, you, this might be too late. You make sure you get in there and, and get this deal. We've been telling you about it for the, the whole Labor Day weekend. Hope you guys had a nice Labor Day weekend, by the way. But jump in the deal. Uh, it's a great one, and it's the best deal we're going to have. And the, the content has just been flowing to the point where people are like emailing me saying, hey, I can't really keep up. Is there a way to find you know, the archive stuff? You know, I'm I'm publishing the site and I'm having a hard time keeping up. So there's just there's a lot of stuff going up, Chris. I mean, it's it's good, but it's all good. I mean, there's a lot of positive things to say about this USC Georgia football team. And I think USC fans have been waiting a long time to hear some positive things, Chris. And we, you know, we're not going out of our way to like make things rosy. It's just things look a lot more positive than they were before. Absolutely. Absolutely. It would last year it was more so like try to find the silver lining. Yeah. Try to find the silver lining, and then they would be accusing us of being uh, too rosy. Uh, but now, lots of good going on. Obviously, it's a long season. Still got a lot of games. Uh, but after after week one, a lot of people are obviously 
very excited, maybe a little too excited. I don't know, too excited. You get it's like college football. You, you only get this like three months a year. So if you're gonna be super excited, jump in there, be super excited. I'm happy. I mean, I'm just it's just good to be back covering college football again and to see, you know, the absolute beatdown of 66-14. Like that's just something that we haven't covered something like that for a while. So they they did what they were supposed to do. Couldn't really ask for a much uh, better uh, debut for the Lincoln Riley era at USC. So all positive stuff there. Before we jump into everything, we got a lot to get to. I just want to thank our sponsor, Trader Joe's. They've been awesome, to, awesome to us uh, over the last several years. And we got a special. I got to show you guys this. Um, pretty cool. We had a tailgate party uh, for the USC Rice game, and thanks to Tailgater Concierge, they provided us a free tailgate location, set up tents, and all this kind of stuff. Had a whole bunch of people come out. I'll show you guys some pictures in a minute. But Trader Joe's provided a ton of snacks. I'm putting some pictures up there now. So we had a, a blast going in there. Uh, here's here's part of the crew, uh, me and RJ and Shotgun. Shotgun was out there. We got Chris Trevino was taking pictures. And this one, he wouldn't fit in there. I got him down there. I'm going to move it up a little bit. But you can see, like, posing. For some reason, he was, like, low down with the guys. But uh, there he is. You can see Chris. And his uh, new sponsor hat, so I'll let him talk to you about that. But uh, pretty cool. We had a we had a blast though at the the tailgate party, and I just want to thank Trader Joe's. These are like these are part of the snacks: rolled corn tortilla chips, chili and lime flavored, like legit. Uh, le- I mean, these are great snacks. Um, everyone loved the snacks out there, but they, these are these got a little spice to them. So I had some before the show, so I was a little worried about my hello Trojan fans because I had to drink a bunch of soda. To, uh, but they're you know, a little spicy snack, uh, it's a bunch of good stuff. But did you have a fun time at the tailgate party, Chris? Yeah, I had a good time. Everyone was super nice. Uh, it was super hot, obviously. Uh, but like USC, I came away with a big win. Yes. We did our bake-off, finally. Um, so it was cool. So, we yeah, Chris was a little late. I think there was strategy, though, Chris. Because my cupcakes were sitting out in the sun for like an hour and a half before you showed up. With the fresh ones. Look, you didn't tell me like a time to arrive. I just arrived in general. Yeah, with, you're the, you're like a host of the tailgate. It starts at noon. You don't show up. At I like wasn't a host. Party. I'm. <laughs> I told you. Did you not hear my speech five minutes ago about being a middleman? <laughs> I don't host nothing. So we we got five uh, fans there to do a taste test uh, of our cupcakes, and Chris won. So we did the, the the taste test. His one. It was a you know. It was a little split, but that's okay. That's fine. They liked my texture better. They liked my presentation better. Uh, but it's all I, about taste, Ryan. The ta- the, you, got, you got the taste one. He, they said yours was more traditional, which is great. But I, I'll show you a picture. We had to use Trader Joe's uh, ingredients. You can see I got the Trader Joe's butter here. This was me making the uh, the batter and uh, some it's of like the a video of you making the stuff. I have a picture of it. You know, make it and then the. Uh, I had some USC decorated cupcakes. Those were cool. Those are the ones I didn't actually, um, those weren't the ones I put for the judges table. I made one batch and I put chocolate chips in the batch and that was good. But they were a little dense. I needed to get uh, new baking powder. So I went back. Those Trader Joe's got new baking powder. And then I made a second batch. I forgot to put the chocolate chips in those. And it probably would have made a difference. But all that, you know, it's just like, hey, did the pick six hit the guy's receiver in the hands? You still got the pick six, right? Uh, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, people ate all the cupcakes. I think people enjoyed all of them. And uh, it was a good time out there. So if you got to come, and we're, we'll probably do more tailgates. I think we'll do one for Fresno State. I got to make sure. But uh, if you're around, uh, definitely come out. There was a lot of USA fans, people taking pictures with us, uh, which is great. You feel like a celebrity, Chris, when people are like, can I get a picture a with you? A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. 
But it was fun. But just a tiny bit. I'm sure there's a bunch of people in the comments like, just talk about football already. I know. There's <laughs> a bit. But I just want to let people know, hey, we had a fun tailgate and everything. So, um, okay. So, let's do – we got some uh, breaking news. Just because if you watched, uh, there was a really terrible game, Clemson and uh, Georgia Tech last night. But because that opening weekend, they start – they play the games on Sunday. They play on Monday. The AP poll came out, and USC moved up to number 10. Oregon dropped all the way out from, I think, top 10 to out of the poll – which what happens when you get beat 49 to three, even by the defending national champion. Um, but yeah, USC is a top 10 team now just from beating Fishly. rice, from Fishly. beating rice. Uh, rice is not that good, but USC look good. We've seen some teams, you know, Notre Dame didn't really look at t- like a top 10 team. Yeah. They're playing Ohio state, but Ohio state not necessarily known for defense. And they only put up like 10 points. They had to play Jim Knowles, the defensive coordinator twice in a row. Cause they played or- uh, Oklahoma state. In the um, bowl game, right, and then they had to play him uh, again. And they brought so him over. That's two. The, one of the toughest defensive coordinators. You got to play him twice in a row. Uh, but as far as like top ten teams look, you know, against weird, you know, terrible opponents, USC looked pretty darn good. I, I have no problem with them being a top ten team now, even though knowing that it's only Rice. I'm not surprised, obviously, because it's USC, Lincoln Riley. Everyone wants to jump back on the West Coast bandwagon that is USC. So I'm not surprised. You know, those voters. Put them right up there. Top 10. Highest rated Pac-12 team. First time since 2017. They've been in the AP Top 10. Uh, They were number 8 back in December 3rd, 2017, I believe. You know, going to that uh, uh, Cotton Bowl game. I believe that was the year. But are they a Top 10 team? I think we'll get find out a little bit closer as we go into the Stanford matchup. Because, you know, a lot of great things to take away from Saturday. But it was still Rice, Ryan. This team has won 10 games in the last 10 years. Uh, over the course, the, the Owls. So I don't think we were going to learn a lot about USC. We learned some things, but we'll learn a lot more, I think, uh, after they play Stanford. Even though I know you famously don't think Stanford is going to be very good again this year. No. Nope. We'll see how that plays out, but we'll learn a lot more about USC uh, this week at Stanford. Ted is fine. Uh, four is a big jump, but a lot of people lost, as you know, Utah. Oregon, a lot of people lost, fell down. So it makes sense they moved up. They moved up to 12 in the uh, coaches poll, up from 15. That feels more accurate to me, but, you know, I'm not going to stop the hype train. I can't stop the hype train from throwing it into the top 10. So officially a top 10 team we cover, Ryan. I didn't see – did Utah go below 10 then? They probably dropped. Yeah, they dropped out to the 13. Wow, okay. So from 7 to 13. So it took one week for that to happen. Now, of course, the Stanford game, we're going to talk about that a little bit. It's a big deal. I don't think Stanford is going to be that good again. They definitely looked better, but they were playing Colgate. What's your favorite quote? Uh, Stanford is butt. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, no one can say anything because I was right last year. They were three and nine. They're three. I did Pac-12 radio this morning, and they're like, Evan uh, Evan Moore, who's you know he played at Stanford, was asking me how they were going to be. And I, you don't want to be mean, but I'm just like, I don't think they're going to be very good. I'm like, they were three and nine last year. And they didn't make any coaching changes. Like, what else do you need to know? They didn't add people from the transfer portal. They had like one guy. Uh, it's just hard. I think Stanford's going to be. It's going to be a. You know, it's it's tough to for Stanford to exist in this new college football world. They're not really embracing it. They're not really built to. They're not changing. So hey, we can let our own. You know, they lose. They lose guys that are in their program because they can't get into their own graduate school. So they have to transfer somewhere else. So there's just a lot of things that Stanford's not really do willing to do to change. So you have to adapt in college football. And USC starting to, they were doing it slow. 
I don't see Stanford doing that. So I'm, I'm sticking to Stanford's not going to be very good this year. Maybe I'm wrong, but we'll see. I was completely right last year, but we'll get to Stanford and stuff in a minute. Um, we got to talk about this team. And, uh, I, you know, we always start on the offensive side. We could start like on the defensive side. You know, you got, you got a guy double sticks here. Uh, Kalen Bullock, USC, and uh, three pick sixes. Uh, he had one of them. Pac-12 Kay- record. Pac-12 record. USC record. USC record. You know, that's funny about the – and Katie was saying this in the press box. Uh, Katie Ryan, the sports information director, or they have a new title now. I don't know what she's called, but it's, it's sports information director. It was 1981 USC did this, but in 81 they didn't count – you couldn't return a fumble unless it was in the air. You couldn't like pick a ball up off the ground. That's an interception. <laughs> right. So they counted one one that was actually a fumble, an interception. So like I guess the guy dropped it and it bounced up in the air. And like I guess there's something like that. You can pick it up if it's in the air. So it really wasn't like three interceptions for a touchdown. It was like two interceptions and a a fumble return that bounced and you return it. So this really is like the first time USC's ever done that uh, for real, from what I understand. And the Pac-12, it's happened three times in a game. Uh, I think Arizona State did it to UCLA or something like that. But um, that's a lot. And and I was I was listening. I forget the other show, but USC in 2019 had zero defensive scores, none. In 2020, shortened season, also zero defensive scores. And then in 2021, last year they had one. And Chris remembered it was in the opener. Yeah, if you remember who it was, put it in the comments. But yeah, see do you remember was. who? Had the, Ryan did not. He he totally wiped that whole season out. He remembers nothing about last yeah. season. Uh, I could tell you what the the Oregon uh, Georgia score was, <laughs> but yes. Uh, do you remember who who scored on the defense uh, last year? But only once. So three years, one defensive score. One game, three defensive scores. A lot of turnover luck and things like that. But you make your own luck, and uh, I think that's a that's a big deal. They got athletes. Seems like the scheme is pretty sound. We'll see how it goes forward. But that to me, Chris, that's where you got to start. Right. I mean, obviously, that defense put on a show for the fans in the Coliseum. Because, Ryan, what do we remember most about last season in terms of Coliseum home games? Everyone was putting up points Yes, on the Trojans in the Coliseum, getting historic win after historic win. They just couldn't stop anyone. Yes, it's Rice. But they were able to go out and stop somebody and also make plays. Obviously, three defensive scores. It was a it was a nice moment for the defense after all this whole offseason of like, are they going to be better? Are they going to be better? Are they going to be better? What are they going to look like? So it was a nice like coming out party to establish themselves. Obviously, they still need to work on some things, you know, run defense. That's going to be a big question going into the Stanford matchup. But they did enough to show like, OK, these guys are doing what they said they were going to do in offseason. They put in a lot of work. Still got to see it through. But that was a really nice start. You know, if they if Rice had come out, was able to control the game and kind of put up, I don't know, 24 points, 30 points, maybe by the end with some garbage time scores, you'd be a lot more concerned. But held them to 14 and then got three touchdowns on, on board. You know, those are hard plays to make. They're not gimme plays. A tip ball, yes, a lot of them were tip balls, but you still practice that. That's still something you work on in in practice and to 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 replicate that when it happens in a game and you have to be around the ball, you have to be in the right position. You have to swarm to the ball though. Those are the things that make those kind of plays happen. Even if the, that they seem a lot easier to make you, there's still a lot of work that goes into it. So hats off to them. They played with a lot of effort, play with a lot of intensity, only gave up 14 points, 
I know it's a Rice team, but still, it's still impressive. Still, still a really good showing uh, out, out of the gate. Uh, Chris, a little breaking news uh, for you, unfortunately. Well, that's probably good. It's probably good for you. We had a bunch of people watching live, on, <laughs> and our Wirecast stream just died. So we're still recording the podcast like we regularly do. No more video. But so we got a little, you get a little sneak preak of. We're uh, not live. We are not live anymore. What so, happened? Uh, the, sh- it, the people are saying this show crashed. It did. Um, so yeah, so our, our software that broadcasts the show live, uh, crashed. So, okay. We're going to just keep going on with our regular podcast feed. Cause that's what we do. We're, we're a podcast. I mean, it's a podcast normally. All right. Now I can take off my pants. Yeah. Yeah. Can take I your pants my back off again. Okay. We might, I might have to tweet out like, sorry, the, uh, the live stream, uh, ended. But we'll keep uh, recording what we're going on there. Um, okay, so on the offensive side, we got some cool stuff, but we got to you know put some things up on uh, on the screen. But um, offensively, Chris, this was very efficient, I would say, as far as like the offense goes. You're talking Caleb Williams, who was what 19 of. 22, uh, 22. I think. And remember what we, we were asked, like how many yards he's going to throw for it. I think I said 250 and you were like, Oh, it's going to be over 300. I completely nailed it. Like 249 yards. Um, so that was pretty cool, but he had one drop. I think he had Taj Washington and he dropped it. I believe that was one. One, he threw to Mario Williams at the end of the first half that he caught out of bounds, just out of bounds. And the other one was like the pass before that, where he so like kind of threw it away, threw it away. Like, Literally, the only passes that weren't completed were those. Like, you can name them. Um, he was on the money. And when he took off and ran, and we don't know. So, he had six rushes for 68 yards. Haven't seen a USC quarterback this century run for that many yards. He did it pretty effortlessly. It wasn't like he was. Yeah, it was just smooth. He wasn't trying to beat guys or whatever. He just, oh, I got a lot of time, and the offensive line did a great job. I got a lot of time, assessed the situation, looked downfield, and what do you see? Oh, boom. I can take off and run. Okay, pick up 12 yards like it's nothing, run out of bounds. He wasn't, you know, Michael Vicking around people and running. Like, this was just like, there's some opening. I'm going to take it. Or work the pocket just for more time. Yeah. Not necessarily even like taking off, which is something he wanted to work on. You know, we talked about it. I think it was in the spring or really early in fall, but he said – I don't want to be a guy who just takes off. I want to let the play develop a little more, take my time in the pocket, don't just take off. And I think we saw that. You know, there were times where he definitely had to move out of the pocket, but he definitely kept his eyes downfield, made some couple moves to buy some more time to find that open receiver. Just that extra little second or half second to to get the ball off, which is so critical in playing quarterback. Yeah. And the fact that he was able to do it so effortlessly, like that's – he's not – straining to do that. It's just sort of like a, this added aspect of his game. The accuracy, the arm strength, the leadership. I mean, USC had three former quarterbacks starting uh, power for power five teams uh, on opening weekend. And I don't know if you, I mean, no, you don't know, like you wouldn't look at any of them and go, man, USC would be better off with one of those guys. Like, I think they're all they're all they're all you know they're all fine they're all good quarterbacks, but they're not Caleb Williams. Like that's that's what one of the big takeaways from this whole thing was. Absolutely, and I think there wasn't a lot of penalties outside of um, 
when the when the backups came in, which Lincoln Riley was very upset about with those penalties. But it was just very crisp and smooth, and there was intent, and it felt like everyone was on the same page, especially with that first team offense. And you know, comparing it to like last season, Ryan, it really felt like what we watched on Saturday felt like you know a Broadway Hamilton play. A and then on Hamilton play. And okay. then last year the offense was like fifth graders trying to do Hamilton. <laughs> that was the difference for me. You it, like you, it? You, yeah, that it was just everything was on point and on time and just effortlessly. But you know, watch a fifth grader try to do Hamilton, it's not gonna be pretty. And that's what I felt like the difference is just thinking back to last season to now. Yeah. I'm just tweeting out about our Peristyle podcast thing. You want a food analogy for what's going on here? I, you know, I mean, of course. I do an analogy out. You have to throw one back. Talking. Okay. So when you're looking at. Oh, no. I know. Um, just, it's not just like how efficient the offense was, like the big plays the defense made. Just looking at how everything was run from when the recruits got to the Coliseum, there was signage of where to go. They were taken care of. No one was like. Hey, what do we do here? They're not asking you or me questions about what we're like, I don't know. This isn't our thing. Um, everything was in its place. And I talked to Harvey Hyde on Sunday and, you know, you remember like a play would be coming in. It could be late in the play clock and like Keen Slovis is looking back and trying to figure out what's going on and people aren't lined up in the right place and you got to call timeout or there's a pre-snap penalty. Like it just looked like you had a team that was well coached. They were taught what to do. They were prepared. They went onto the field. They did what they were supposed to do. It looks right. Nobody's confused. You don't look at this team and go, man, they can't get there. You know, they can't even walk and chew gum at the same time. That's not the case. You know, that, that's not what you're saying. So like if you're if you're gonna go, and we get this all the time in LA, you get like a restaurant opening, right? You're this new restaurant's opening up. And there's always quirks, right? There's it's new, there's a bunch of new people, you know, new chef, all this stuff. It's like if you walk in and you see the, you know, the hostess is sort of like on her phone, not, you know, sh- you know, showing you, tell you what your seat's going to be ready or your table's going to be ready or anything like that. And there's a waitress that is kind of hanging out one table too long and there's two other tables that they need their water and one guy's trying to get the check and that's going on. And, you know, when the chef's putting out food for the table, there's like, Two things came out early for this one table, but the other one hasn't even been started yet. Um, you, I mean, even if you're not in the kitchen, you're just kind of walking into this situation, you can kind of look around and go, yeah, this isn't really well run. I guess it's day one and all that stuff, but you could tell that there's disorganization going on here. Maybe it's the individual people. It's usually happening from the top. And then when you go through and you go to a restaurant and it's like, there's a hostess there right away. It's like, oh, I th- yes, we have your reservation here. Would you like to sit at the bar first before you get a drink? Your table will be ready in five minutes. And you just kind of sit down and there's water there. And it's like, we have the bread with the uh, garlic butter. It's going to be right on the way, fresh out of the oven. There's one waiting for you. And they're just, all the details are taken care of. You're like, wow, this is really well done. Even if the first restaurant, if the food is amazing, like there's still sort of a sour taste in your mouth sometimes. And if the food isn't as amazing in the second restaurant, you still feel like you're being taken care of. The service is like part of it. I just feel like when you walked into the Coliseum and what we saw was this was well-organized. This was a restaurant opening that they nailed it. The guy had done it before or the woman, whoever it was, they know what's going on. They know how to open a restaurant. 
Everyone was trained. The staff knows exactly what to do. This is what you're going to do. When a player, when someone walks in to the restaurant, here's what you're telling them. Here's what you're going to say. And not just kind of leave it for a willing. If I see you on your phone, you're out of here. You know, anything like that. So to me, that's what it was, Chris. This was, it's not just the players on the field, the, the scheme that you ran. Looking at it, it was well organized. There was a, there was real leadership that disseminated the information he wants from all the players and all the staff. They listened to that the, to the leader. They listened to Lincoln Riley, and they executed what they were supposed to do. And when you do that, and people bought in, it's a winning organization. He's been part of a winning organization. He said, this is what you need to do if you want to win. Everyone's like, hey, okay, coach, that's what I'm going to do. And that's what I saw. So that probably, you know, besides like some of the awesome stuff we saw just between the lines, the other stuff, Chris, to me was now it looks like this is an organized team that had their timeouts at the end of the half and they weren't making stupid penalties, things like that. So to me, that's the most encouraging thing, no matter who the opponent is. Like you can be disorganized against a crappy opponent. This was this was a crappy opponent, but you were organized. And I think that's that's something that can trans, you know, it'll translate between games. You don't have to just because you're playing a really tough team doesn't mean you stop being organized. That's that's just a, a something that's a you thing, not a, an opponent thing. I felt like you just described a Michelin star restaurant to an Applebee's. <laughs> I think that's a good that's a good way to put. It. I could have put it that way. Yeah, fewer words. Took a shortcut there. Kind of reminds me of the Holiday Bowl. Remember when USC was warming up on the wrong side, <laughs> and then Iowa just comes in and it's like they know that they're they're supposed to be there on their side, and they just start warming up. Not even caring about what USC is doing. USC is like, oh, this is, we're on the wrong side. And they, that's kind of what the discipline is. It's like, we know what we're supposed to do. We're going to go ahead and do it. Doesn't matter what you're doing. We know what our system is. We know what we're going to do. That's kind of how uh, that felt. And we saw that just from top to bottom. But again, still want to see this team perform against other teams, see what it looks like because it is just rice. But, you know, I, I'm glad the fans are excited. About what they saw, and I think they they did a great fan uh, service to all those fans, sixty thousand plus that came out to uh, the Coliseum on a brutally hot day. That kind of sat through that, and you know they rewarded them with a good show. It was a brutally hot day, and you were there on the sidelines. You were in the press box. Right? I was in the press box, but you were there on the sidelines yeah. really for the first time. Um, Not the first time, but. I've, been, I've signed Latin games before, but this is my first full season as a starter. I've been like Justin Dietrich, spot filling in. Yeah. Times now, I'm a season opening sideline starter. What was it like? What did did, what, did you? It's enjoy good. It? Yeah, because yeah, obviously we don't get to see as much in practice, so I like to be on the sideline and get more interaction and see that happening. Got some good plays. You can check out my field level highlights. They're up on YouTube right now. Uh, got some good stuff. I got some, we're only limited to about three minutes, and my first cut was like five minutes. So I had to cut uh, a bunch out. So mainly I just get the big plays, but a lot in there. And yeah, it was cool to see, hear things on the sideline. I have my ghost notes from the game days that I do now. Yeah, that's a good one. So got a lot of bonus stuff, you know, stuff that I don't tweet out, stuff that I interact with people. So. I, I like all that. I like, obviously, I do the ghost notes, so I get all those observations. So I like, I get so much more being on the sideline as opposed to, you know, up in the box. No yeah. offense to the box. Hey, that's okay. No offense taken. You um, get water anytime you want, food, AC. I get it. Stats. I don't get any of that down there, Ryan. No, you don't. Uh, and Chris, so, you know, does a great job. Uh, you know, this is, you know, him being on these shows, this was sort of like a thing that I just was trying to get him to Why do. Why do you do this every time? No, I'm just saying like, you know, and, and you got so much better at it, but 
you you know, Chris is cranking out content, great stuff, great observations. It could be like, hey, the AP pulls out, boom, you got a story real quick. But the 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 amount of information he's able to get just from observing what's going on, we don't get much of a window at all into practice. And he makes sure he gets there super early so he gets to see everybody walking out of the tunnel, got notes on all that kind of stuff, um, notes on what you see on the, you know, on the field in that limited window. And the game notes are really good too. So this is going to a different perspective of what's going on, on the sideline stuff. Like he would say, I don't get that in the press box. You're not getting that on TV or, or in the stands yourself. So um, make sure you check that stuff out. All of it, you know, part of the uscfootball.com subscription that you should get right now. If you're not a member, 75 bucks, uh, I mean, 75% off, not 75. That's bucks. almost a hundred. That's almost a hundred percent. That's almost hundred percent off 75%. Off. Yeah. And if you don't want to do like a year thing, which is only like 25 bucks, it's like five cups of coffee for a whole year. Um, you can sign up for the first month for a dollar just to try it out. So good stuff there. But yeah, kudos to the, the notes are, are awesome, Chris. So I uh, keep those going. Looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to going up to Stanford with you. So that'll be fun. Yeah, too. We're road tripping. We're road tripping. First road trip. Yes. I don't know. Like, you know, you would road trip with like Keely and shotgun, but not me. So uh, can't wait for some classic rock. We'll play, some, we'll play whatever you want. I'll usually listen to podcasts and stuff. That's what I heard. That's why it was like, Ryan's just going to listen to podcasts. You don't have to really do anything. He's just going to listen to it. Like, we, could, right. we could record a podcast like in the car. Yeah, we're going to do it on the way down for sure. That or would be boy. a lot of fun Yeah, that's do. We're going to do a Helium Boys one and guest starring you. Okay. That'd yeah, because yeah, Shotgun will be riding back with us. Yeah. We'll drive back Sunday and then we'll do our show Sunday night. Um, yeah, so... Two star, just so you know, podcast wise, we did a Harvey Hyde show on Sunday. Also did a Tunnel Vision show that I wasn't part of. Let to uh, Chris and uh, Shotgun and Jack, the great intern. Uh, they did that show, so you can check that out. Shout out to Jack. His birthday is today. Yeah, happy birthday, Jack! Didn't we didn't even we, tell we, us. We started practice. Didn't even know. Uh, but Chris will also have a two star recruiting podcast coming up uh, a little bit later this week, and then we'll do our Thursday evening um show live show again and this will be previewing stanford who we're going to get rj abadia on who's a stanford grad who's been covering the team for us for a while so he knows the stanford team really well so it'll be fun to kind of get his pick his brain a little bit chris Uh, you won't be on that show we give you thursday off now right Uh, thank you yeah you deserve it and then we'll all we'll go or road trip friday morning we are booked our flights to uh, Corvallis for a couple weeks from after that. So we got these road games covered. I, I know we're not going to talk much about Stanford this week because yeah. that's for the preview show. But how do you feel about the line? What is the line now? Is it like it, well, 10? Well, it opened at like 10 and a half, 12. But I've seen it like 9, 8 and a half, and 8 even. It keeps moving a little bit. But I think initially it was 10 and a half. And now it's kind of like around 8. It should be like 17. Really? Yeah. Okay. It does seem very low. It's very low. If this is like people are thinking about Stanford, it's like Stanford, like, oh, it's Stanford. They're good. Yes, they have an NFL quality quarterback. Uh, you know, RJ is a little more optimistic, but th- you're not adding guys from the transfer portal. You're not making changes to the coaching staff. It's the same stuff going on. They, you know, David Shaw in the offseason said that they're, you know, reassessed things and made changes. Like you didn't change any, but there's no buddy that's different on your staff. Like the exact same people are doing the exact same things and you want to get different results. I think you Stanford's been able to take advantage of USC when they've had poor coaching and they've had that, a lot of that. I mean, I think the last 15 games, it's six wins for USC, nine for Stanford, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but that's all post like Pete Carroll stuff, right? So, 
or maybe one year of Pete Carroll, like the last the last year. Um, you have a real coach now. This is a Stanford team that I don't think is going to stop USC. They're going to try to do what Rice did and just, you know, USC only ran 58 plays and still put up 66 points. Mm-hmm. Now, three defensive scores. Stanford's going to try to do the same thing. they got better players. They're going to do some of that. But I feel like eventually it's like you still have a much better poker player on one side and you're getting a lot of hands. You're going to get a, a good enough, a, enough hands that that advantage is going to play out. Stanford would love to do what Rice did. USC goes down and scores. Rice takes eight minutes off the clock and punches it in at 7-7 and you've almost used the whole quarter. So you've basically eliminated one quarter of the game. Um, you're going to try to do that. But there's going to be some quarters that USC is just going to get the ball back quick and put up points. I just don't see Stanford being able to keep up with USC. Like I will, yeah, this is this is like my lock of the the year. Wow. Yeah, USC is going to cover the the spread wow. against Stanford. I've been wrong before for sure. Oh, many a time. But when you want to get on Vegas, it's this early stuff. It's like the they didn't figure out Stanford was like you didn't think Stanford was bud after they beat USC and Oregon, right? Well, then they lost their last like seven games or whatever. Um, the key was USC being more bud. USC was more butt. And they just, you know, it, it got Clay Helton fired and and boom. You know, David Shaw was asked today, like, you know, you're going to look at film from last year. And he said, like, you know, the whole roster is different. It's going to be different. This is a different deal. Like, what David Shaw was able to do last year against USC is not going to happen this year. So that's my assessment. I st- still think they could be a bowl team. I think they can contend for a bowl season in that regard. So I think they're a little bit more dangerous. But... You're right. I think USC's offense is just going to do what it wants to do against the Stanford defense. I don't really see the Stanford defense being like able to keep up. For me, it's going to come down to USC's run defense and sort of stopping those bigger Stanford defensive linemen. And yeah, I know Rice gave them a little bit of trouble. And then there was that one misassignment, two linebackers filling the gap that had their big run. So USC is going to be, need to be really disciplined, kind of play that front well. And it's going to come down to that trench battle like it does really every year with the Stanford matchup. Just we know what Stanford wants to do. Tanner McKee, I think, is a guy. I think he's an NFL guy. Like He's you a said. dude. He's a dude. So sure. I think it makes them a little bit more intriguing. But I just think the offense will be too much. I, I think they'll score a lot more. Not a lot more, but I think they'll put up some points. But I still just think USC is going to put up a lot more points. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I just don't see Stanford – slowing down USC all that much. You know, I, it's the efficiency of which this offense ran. It's just one of those things where, yeah, you could, you know, how many times can you do a 12 play drive that takes like six plus minutes off the clock and you, you punch it in for a touchdown every time. Like I think USC is going to be hard to stop. And then Stanford might get a couple of those drives early and it's, oh, it's 21-14 and like you're within spitting distance. And maybe and then at that point, you're hoping to get your Stanford like, well, maybe we get a turnover or whatever and and you kind of keep it close. But the way you beat those teams is to buy, you know, you blitzkrieg them. Like you're just putting up points and you kind of take them out of the game they want to play. The weird thing is, though, I think Stanford's probably better in the passing game now than they're going to be trying to be this power running team. Right. Um, and that's probably what's going to hurt you. That would probably would, would hurt USC the most right now, especially with like a Dijon Benton, um, you know, out for this one. So um, did we, we didn't talk about that yet. We, got we haven't gotten to we'll, we'll get to that stuff. Uh, but yeah, I don't think that's what Stanford's going to even do well. It's going to be like Tanner McKee 
you know, finding the tight ends, finding the receivers. You know, I think they got some good skill guys. Emmett Smith's son, look, you know, he can run the ball. What they had, Emmett Smith's son. Jerry Rice's son will be in this game. Jerry Rice's son will be in this game. But Stanford had what McCaffrey, you know, like uh, Ed McCaffrey's son. He was really good. But they had another one. Uh, what was it? The other famous uh, running back. I forget. There was a, another running back son that they had. Oh, uh, was Emmett Smith? Crap. I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on the all over the place. One. Yeah. Uh, but he looks good. He looks like he's legit um, running back and stuff. So, you know. Stanford will be okay. Like I, maybe they're not going to be as butt as they were last year. Well, they can get to a bowl game, right? No, sh- hell, you don't think they're going to get to a bowl game? No, bowl game? Wow. No, wow. I don't think they're going to like. I think I predicted them to go like two and twelve or something. Wow. I think they're going to be bad, even with Tanner McKee. Even with Tanner McKee. Wow. Uh, I got them at two and no, no. Uh, what do I have predicted them to go? Yeah, I think I have them at one and eleven. <laughs> and Dave, no, no, uh, one. Yep, I think Dave did the same thing. No, almost, Dave has two. Dave has two and ten. I almost want to do a friendly wager on that. Well, I did. That was just my season prediction. Do you want to bet? <laughs> you want to take Stanford in the points? I'll, I'll do that. No, I just meant like I think they'll get to a bowl game. Oh, bowl team or not? I would definitely take that bet. You want to do that? What do you want to bet? Yeah. Um, let's see. I wish like you could lunch or chat. something? I don't know, something. Yeah, we could do like <laughs> lunch or something like that. That'd be good. Uh, big walk? Big walk lunch. I love it. Um, Is that official? Are we doing it? Yeah, let's officially do that. Okay. Okay. Stanford will not be a bowl team. Everyone is witnesses. They heard this. Do you, okay, here's the thing. Have you looked at Stanford's schedule? I saw there were some ranked teams on that bad boy. Okay, so they played Colgate. Okay. They were favored by 41 and a half points. They didn't score that many points. They won 41 to 10. Yeah, whatever. So they didn't score as many points as the spread was. Is that a good sign? Probably not. They're going to play USC. Well, they did fumble the ball three times on punt returns. So that's that sapped some drives. Okay. Against Colgate, like that happened. <laughs> so, okay. They're going to play USC. That's not going to Okay, close. yeah, we're tracking that to a loss. They get a bye. That's a win. No, no loss there. Uh, they're at Washington. They can be Washington. At Oregon. Meh. Oregon State. At Notre Dame. Okay. Those are the next four games. So three road games against Washington, the two best teams in the North, and Notre Dame. And then Oregon State, who just beat the crap out of Boise State. And I think the Oregon State's going to be really good. Like, I don't see them winning any of those games, to be honest. They play ASU at home. I think they can win that one. Because I don't think ASU is going to be that good. They go on the road to UCLA. They have Washington State at home. And Washington State didn't look very good week one. So I thought Washington State would be better. So that might be a problem. At Utah, mm. at Cal, and then BYU at home. Like, are you looking at any of those going, oh, yeah, easy win for Stanford? I wouldn't say easy win, but any there's definitely some wins in there. There's definitely some wins in there, Ryan. So if Washington State is but, which I thought they would be good. I thought, you know, because, you know, Jake Dickert, he's, he was a holdover. I mean, he took over in the middle of the season. It was kind of like Dante Williams for Washington State, but, you know, they hired him on. They get Cameron Ward, the, the quarterback that looks really exciting, and they they laid an egg in their first game. So maybe they're not good. Arizona State, by then, maybe they're imploding. But, man, I'm not finding six wins here, Chris. Uh, it would like you'd have to beat USC at home, I think, because you get USC they have They have to upset someone for sure. Like a couple. It's not going to be this weekend, though. No, I don't think it will be either. But 
Do I, do I make you feel any worse about your, your bet? No, no, it's just college football. I'm just riding with it. Okay. It's fine. Perfect. Either way, I'm going to get a big walk out of it, so I don't really care. <laughs> nice. All right, why don't we take a quick break, and we'll come back, and we'll like finish up talking about stuff, talk a little more Stanford, I guess, and then we'll do some questions. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back here on I, the per- oh I was, no sorry I I just I had like a a not a question or I just had a thought okay should USC fans when they go up to the game or they obviously they know some Stanford alum or whoever you know they know somebody should they be like celebrating them this week because they're the team that got Clay Helen fired you know uh, should they be like celebrating Stanford <laughs> Stanford fandom. Um, in general <laughs> or does it matter like it could have been anybody that does this no i think it was kind of fitting that it was stanford because like clay Hilton said they wanted to be like stanford at one point you know david shaw didn't get a whole lot of wins last year so and just cruel one, irony you one of them like... was usc and then oregon too which is crazy um yeah i mean stanford i, I think if stanford could take it back <laughs> they probably wouldn't do that right they wouldn't you know they'd be like we're not going to like, do, does it matter that you would go two and 10 or three and not like would, if you're Stanford, would you rather go, you know what? Let's just say it was a two and 10 year and not a three and nine year. And we don't beat USC and they don't fire Clay Helton. And now you don't have Lincoln Riley in the conference. Like I think the rest of the, the rest of the conference might give them some out of the wins. You know what? We'll give you an extra win or two. If you just don't beat down USC in game two and let them fire Clay Helton. You know, I, I think it could be like this Pac-12 collaboration. So they should be celebrating them, right? Yeah. If you're they a USC just give fan. Them a, give, give, there's going to be a moment in the, you know, like when you're at Mass or whatever, peace be with you. Everyone's just going to start hugging yeah. Stanford fans. Who was the other? Like Stanford's been involved in a lot of those. Like Orgeron, like his biggest win when he was the um, interim mm-hmm. head coach with Stanford, a ranked Stanford. What was it? They also beat... It wasn't no Kiffin lost to uh, Arizona State. Um, I forget. You know, Stark lost to Washington before he got fired. There, Stanford was involved in another one too. I don't remember, but yeah, Stanford's kind of always been involved in that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, but I, I wanted to give you an opportunity to give us an injury update because we may not get many of these going forward. No, it sounds like this will be the final injury <laughs> update of my life. Maybe I don't know. Do we you can, want to explain that real a, quick. If, if it's in a game. Well, sure, uh, like game can. day stuff. Like it's like, but okay. So the way we've been able to go to practices have changed. It's changed a little bit. Um, there's been some limitations, and we sort of were explained that you know Lincoln Riley had no open access in Oklahoma, and so at USC they kind of convinced him to have some open access. Well, there's been a little pushback on some of the access that he doesn't seem to feel real comfortable with. And one of them was assistant coaches talking. So outside of him and Alex Grinch, we don't get to hear from assistant coaches anymore. Uh, the other one, or I mean, there's some other things too, but 
the injury situation today, uh, walking out of the tunnel, there were some updates. And if you were following Chris and we put it up there that like Rayleigh Brown, who, you know, we saw him leave on a cart from the Coliseum field. Don't want to say cart off the field. Cause he could walk. It just, that tunnel is an incline. And a lot of times players get injured. They get uh, carted up the tunnel. He had ice on his ankle. So a lot of people were worried. What's the status with Ray Lake Brown? And uh, we got to see him out today. So he came out, uh, had, you know, taped up his, his ankle. We took a little video of him running through some drills, you know, looked pretty good. Uh, but the other one was Dijon Benton, who got, I think, the most snaps of any of the defensive linemen, according to Pro Football Focus, had his uh, left arm, was it, in a cast. And Chris had, his right. Right arm? Okay, sorry. Maybe. Uh, maybe right. I don't know. I, I never remember to. So it comes out of the tunnel, which is, you know, on campus. Like, there's not in the closed, whatever, Howard Jones Field. You can see him. And Chris is there, puts a note. Uh, I don't think you actually tweeted out. Some of the other reporters tweeted out that he was in a cast. Uh, but Chris put on the, the peristyle what he had heard. And if you remember, you can get, he had some more inside information on what was going on there. So make sure you check that out. And, uh, you know, that was something that happened. So he didn't practice today. He was asked about, you know, Lincoln Riley was asked about it after practice and didn't say a whole lot, but seemed a little guarded. And then we get word from the sports information department that we would no longer be allowed to report on injuries at practice. So if we see somebody in a boot, if we see somebody, excuse me, get carted off the field, we are not supposed to talk about that or report on that. And, I guess it's a pretty strong, uh, this is something that Lincoln Riley and his camp want. They do not want injury stuff uh, getting out there. Um, we've seen something like this happen before. I can't remember if it was Kiffin or Sark. And it might have been early Lane Kiffin where he didn't want, in, I think it was Lane Kiffin, um, didn't want injuries talked about. And there's a famous video, Chris, I don't know, before your time, that, uh, and our Dan Weber asked Lane Kiffin about it. I think it was, um, it wasn't, it's, uh, one of the USC centers like was hurt and had come back to practice and practice looked really smooth. And Dan Weber asked about it. Like, um, I think it was Holmes that was the, the center at the time. Uh, could you watch all of practice? Yeah, we could watch all of practice. Oh, okay. And, uh, and in Dan's mind, this was just asking like, Hey, practice looked better. You got your starting center back. And Lane was Lane Kiffin was so mad that Dan asked about quote unquote an injury was basically just like your starting center was practicing, um, and it was like this positive thing like wow practice looked like it was flowing really good. Uh, Lane so twenty seconds into the press little press conference after practice, he's like I'm done and and just stormed off. And I think Lindsay Theory at the time uh, who was working for the LA Times I think she was LA Times uh, or no maybe, no maybe it was. No, she was, I think, with, I think she was like scout at the time and we were with rivals. I don't know. It was something like that. And, um, she films it and it goes kind of crazy viral that Lane just like basically acted like a baby and walked off because they I remember that seeing the, that video. Yeah. It was kind of crazy. Um, but there were even talk. I think Gary Klein was the LA Times beat writer at the time. And the LA Times were saying like, well, if we're there, this was like the, the newspaper stance at the time. If we're there and we can't report what we see, we can't be there because we're not going to not report what we see. So I think some of the newspapers at the time decided to stay outside and not watch practice because they were told to not say things that not report on things that they saw 
which journalistically they were saying that's not right. If we see it, we should be able to report on it. So there was like this whole thing. So I'm curious to see. We just heard about this you know, a few hours ago. Another long ramble. Sorry. But um, just to kind of give you a feel for what's going on with the injury stuff. So I'm curious to see if the LA Times or Orange County Register, if they decide to not go to practice now or watch those 20 minutes and just stay outside and report on what you see coming out of the tunnel. I, I'm not sure what's going to happen, but long intro to we're not allowed to talk about injuries anymore, Chris. So any thoughts on that? And then kind of before what we saw on the injuries. Yeah, we're not allowed to talk about injuries anymore. Chris, talk about the injuries. <laughs> this will be our final injury update. But I mean, not final, because I guess we can talk about it after a game, obviously, for what we see, like, oh, player X did not dress out for practice or whatever. But the big one, obviously, was Relique Brown coming out of the tunnel. Uh, People, everyone wants to know, Relique Brown, Relique Brown, Relique Brown. Ankle injury, taped up, did come out fully dressed for practice, looked fine in warm-ups, but seems like they held him a little bit back in the individual periods that we saw, did not really do the on-air drills, he was off to the side with Benny Wiley kind of doing light running and light catching. So definitely a little bit limited. As you said, Lincoln Riley really did not really want to talk about injuries. Really, Brown, he was asked about twice. I I believe the first one was any concern about him not playing against Stanford. And he said no. And there was a follow-up two questions later. Does that mean really Brown's going to play? And he he, he shrugged. He was like, it's Tuesday, man. I, I don't know. It's You're going to see these guys. But he did say that he was able to do quite a bit of stuff with them on, on, on Tuesday. So I would firmly put him in the questionable range just for safety, um, just to see. He, it was a good sign that he, you know, dressed up. He was in full pads. So we'll have to see. He'll have to practice, continue to practice uh, this week to get on the field. As Lincoln has said, if you don't practice, you're not going to play. So that's a good start for him, you know, just being out there in full pads. So we'll have to see as that monitored. I mean, you won't hear about it because I can't do anything tomorrow about it with can't say anything about it tomorrow. But I think he's I would probably say he's questionable, but that's just like I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I my guess is he's going to play. Yeah. I mean, I think I would be probably be leaning towards questionable towards leaning towards probable. But yeah, just because that's kind of. The playmaker is the one amount on the field. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then obviously Dejan Benton, as you mentioned, came out in sort of a cast, a light cast. I wouldn't it wasn't like a you know, like a cast for a broken hand that you see where you can sign it. It wasn't it didn't look like that, but I had heard over the weekend that Dejan had an injury, but I couldn't like really confirm it. Um so he, he was not dressed out. Lincoln seemed uh optimistic that he would be back pretty quickly says he's gonna bounce back he even like said that he could be back this week maybe in next week but i don't know i'm just kind of taking that with a grain of salt if he was closer to playing now i feel like they would have just clubbed him you know and he'd be out there you know when they club a players with a hand yeah and then just like let him play through it and he would still be out there in pads but again you don't practice you don't play if dejan doesn't practice tomorrow or Thursday, I would not expect him to play this week. But it's significant. You know, he was a breakout of fall, starting kind of defensive tackle, uh, won that job out of camp. He was listed as an or with uh, Tyrone Teleni, but still, you know, a, a big piece for this uh, defensive line. Had five tackles on Saturday. He had came into the game with a career of six tackles. So 
you know, it looked like he was going to have a breakout season. We'll have to see more as it progresses, but I think that's one to kind of be on the watch for. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's not a, not, I don't think the injury situation is dire, but there's, you know, it's interesting. It's, it's interesting. I, I think that's a good way to, to put it. This is interesting uh, to see the fact that Benton had as many reps as he did. Maybe you weren't expecting him to play a big role. Um, they are, you know, they played, they rotate a lot of guys. Riley talked about that. I think they, the overall, just if you listen to Lincoln Riley answer those questions early on in the, the media scrum, we put it up there in our instant analysis video. So Chris and uh, Jack do an instant analysis video. We put the Lincoln Riley video up in there as well. So you can kind of hear what he had to say. You know, the body language is there to be like, yeah, I'm not really talking about this stuff. And I, I feel like where the where they're coming from and the impression that I'm getting is that other schools aren't putting out injury information. So why should we? Why should we give anyone an advantage? So I'm not really, you know, I don't know how long Benton's going to be out, but I don't, I'm not really putting a lot of stock into what Riley said either because I think he wants to just put it out there like you, you don't know. He might be back. Muck it up. Or, muck it up a little like, bit. I, like what we're talking about, like I don't know if he's going to play or not, but yeah, I, I would say Dejan is not going to play this week. Um, no. Like I said, I feel like if he was, he'd yeah. be clubbed up and he would right. still be practicing. Right. But, we, you know, so we're not going to be talking about that injury stuff. We will still go to practice as long as we can. The access has already dwindled and we're only in, you know, one week in. Um, not like, it's not like it's gone, but it's, it's less than what it was. Like the amount of time we can watch or shoot photos and videos, like that's been, you know, somewhat limited. The, the, you know, the, the availability of the assistant coaches, that's been sort of taken away. So it seems like it's going in a, in one direction. We don't get to talk to players coming out of the tunnel anymore after the game. It's all in that media room. And that was a bit of a, a mess uh, after the game on uh, on Saturday. So they're changing some things. And I think a lot of it is just sort of like a back and forth between Lincoln Riley's used to no access. I think he understands that you're now in a pro market and you can't just shut the media out and they'll just cover you like because you're the only game in town. There's plenty of other things to do. Um in LA, plenty of other sports you can cover. Now we're uscfootball.com. We cover the team all the time, but you know, you might have, you're not going to have TV stations coming out to cover this during the week. And you're not going to have, you'll probably have less LA time coverage. You know, LA times had a bunch of people at the game. If, if you close off practice, you might not have that anymore. So I think they, I think he gets some of that, but he's still, they're kind of going back and forth on how much access is enough. So we'll keep you posted on what's going on. Um, hopefully it doesn't change too much more, but, it's it's changed a little bit every week, I think, Chris. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, I, I forgot I wasn't on camera anymore. Oh. I was like, "What did I do?" Oh yeah. What did I do? Just Are, seeing a, a notable recruit just reclassified for twenty twenty three. Oh really? Who is this? Uh, Jason Mitchell, father played at uh, yeah at uh, USC, won a national championship, I believe, as a wide receiver. So back in the day. Uh, very nice. What if I told you that you are on camera? I just was joking. Uh, it shut down. No, I jump out the window. Right. Uh, no, yeah, we're not on camera anymore, but you get to hear it on the podcast. That's where most of the people listen, but it's just kind of a fun little aspect to have the video element of it. So if you're, you know, happen to be around, we're going to typically do these about one o'clock. We, we go to practice in the morning on Tuesday. And by the time, uh, we get the content up and we get everything into, um, 
you know, get everything into, uh, you know, loaded up on YouTube and all that kind of stuff. And we get this show rolling. We can uh, broadcast live around one o'clock. So if you guys do want to listen or watch live and, you know, put some comments in the chat, you can definitely um, do that. Just not more this week. So we got like a 15 minute version of it up. So you get a little taste of what it looked like as a podcast. Um, anything else, Chris, from the game, Stanford, before we uh, move on to questions? No, I think it's uh, I'm just excited to go on a road game. Road games were always a slog last year. Yeah, you know the team wasn't very good, so it was like that's ugh. true. Yeah, but now I'm excited. I know I was looking at the the road schedule, so we're we're big crew at Stanford. We'll have USCFootball.com up there. We'll have a good crew up in Corvallis for Oregon State, even though it's going to be a makeshift press box because they destroyed half the stadium. Doesn't matter. I'm on the field. That'll be fun. Um, and and Utah, then baby. the Utah game that'll be a big one. Uh, I've gone. I think. The first time I went was like four years ago. I think Shotgun's never been, right? Mm-hmm. I think he's I've never been gone. twice, I believe. Yeah, me too. I've been twice. And uh, definitely fun. Ride Cycles is a cool place to see. Got to figure out the Tucson road trip. Um, Arizona's going to be a lot better. So I think that's going to actually be a good one mm-hmm. too. They looked, I mean, they, they, they beat badly San Diego State, who throttled them last year in Tucson. And it's just been a thorn on the Pac-12 side. So the fact that you got Jaden DeLora throwing to T-Mac, um. Yeah, Arizona looks good. They look legit. So that was a good team they played. That was one of the the best wins, if not the best win, in the Pac-12 because the Pac-12 went zero and three against Power Five programs. Not good. Uh, losing to Florida, Georgia, and TCU. Um. Uh, but the I think Oregon State's win was really good against Boise, and uh, Arizona's was good against uh, San Diego State. Outside of that, it was like meh, whatever. Um. Okay. Let's see. Let's go to questions. You go with the questions? We just oh, got a few yeah, emails. Yeah, let's let's hit me. Yeah, we got a few questions, a few emails, and that's about it. Uh, let's see. Caleb Bullock created a 14-point switch when he ran down an owl running back to prevent a touchdown. Next, while protecting the end zone, he intercepts a tip pass and takes it to the house. It's been much too long since we've seen that kind of excitement at, US, at a USC football game. Earl and Torrance, and he says, P.S., congratulations to Red Velvet Cupcake King, Chris Trevino. Let's go. Yeah, Earl came at the very end. I didn't Let's get go, to Earl. talk to him very long. He just showed up at the very end of the tailgate. But uh, so I don't even think he got to taste one. Maybe he did. I don't. They, I think they were gone by the time we left. Right. I think all the. I ate were... the last of mine. Did you? Nice. Yeah, I had to take a celebration. Did you try eat. mine or no? No, I didn't get a chance. What I because I had everyone talking to me, and then oh yeah, by the time I went over there, there was only one left, and it looked like it exploded because yeah. they were like cutting them up. But yeah, big fourteen point swing. Um, at the very least, it was a fourth down attempt too. So they weren't going to go for the three. So there was no field goal. It was basically like, they're going to score a touchdown. And not only does it not get a touchdown, but us, you know, obviously the tackle saved a touchdown and then turning it to a touchdown the other way, 93 yards, pretty special. Famously not honorable mention worthy. Kalen Bullock, Ryan. Uh, yes. And I, I thought about you when I was doing the, the voting, I was like, yeah, people don't know what the hell they're talking about. Why are they vote like why did they not have him as a potential um as a potential, you know, at least honorable mention, uh, all Pac twelve player. And he will definitely be he'll be first team. And just to be clear, there's no question in there, right? That was a comment? That was more of a comment. Okay. Yeah. So you don't have to answer anything. Just we want to get your thoughts on it. And it was another you know, another victory lap. You could, you know. Love the effort. That's why you coach effort. Cupcake King. Um, 
Frank and Sacramento had a couple. Fun game. I'm not sad. JT and Keaton are out of here. So we talk about JT Daniels and Keaton Slovis. You rule out the picks and the sack and the sacks and the yards after catch. They did most of their damage handing off Frank and Sacramento. So if you rule out the picks and the sacks, I I think so. I I don't know, Frank. You got to maybe a little more clear here. If you rule, so basically, if you rule out picks, sacks, and yards after contact, maybe yards after contact. Okay. um, Wipe out their whole. Offense. So basically everything good. Like, well, if you take away those five touchdowns, like they really didn't score that much. You know, like that. I don't know what you're saying. Um, it's all when people are like complaining, like, well, this this ball hit them in the hands and and blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's turnover luck is some is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Stuff happens. And, you know, if if the USC's opponent like gets an extra, you know, extends a drive because of a targeting call, which happened in this one that was kind of questionable, you know, or USC challenges uh, a a pass interference call that on a tip ball and goes the other way. Like those kind of things kind of change games. Like there's little luck things that happen either way, but you have to put yourself in the right position. And I'm not, you know, there was pressure on the quarterback. The throws were usually behind the receiver and high. Yes. They were able to touch it, but not in a great spot where you could get your hands on it and and secure it in. Um, you're and you have enough people around. You made you made adjustments where you're dropping guys. You know you're kind of letting guys go by you and, and taking some of the underneath stuff away, so the quarterback just can't throw a quick one and get it out there. I think the defense sort of took advantage of opportunities, but they you you kind of make your own luck too. So I don't know what you're what Frank's really getting at as far as take these away. Um, I guess he's saying that Rice did most of their damage handing off. I, I guess I, I'm not sure. I mean, they had that really big run, and then I felt like you, that, which, which was on a mistake by the Trojans, but I feel like they pretty much did a good job of limiting that rushing attack outside of those those runs they had. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure, Frank, but uh, yeah. Like as far as you know, you wish JT Daniels all the best, Keen Slovis all the best. Or maybe he was Jackson referring the to the Graham Harrell Bowl. Maybe. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. That's what he's talking about. Okay. Holy crap. Frank, just get a little more specific. You know, I like the, the succinct emails, but you got to like be descriptive of what you're talking about. So he's talking about that game. The Graham the Harrell Bowl. Brawl, the Ga- Graham Harrell Bowl. And basically that no one did much except they ran the ball. Okay. Maybe that's what he's saying. I, I can't wait for him to follow up next week. Yeah, I don't know. Frank, Frank follow up next week and let us know which one it was. Yeah. We, that's my theory. But we did get to talk about the defense a little bit more, which is fine. That's what, So we just talked about what we wanted to. Um, Eric in Duck Country says, Ryan and Chris, will Eric Gentry be able to hold up against power running teams with bigger and more athletic linemen than Rice? To answer the question, I don't know. I have mm-hmm. to see it. Obviously, he's played in the Pac-12. You know, ASU plays, obviously, some of the similar teams that USC does. So I'm going to be interested to see how he holds up, you know, against Oregon State that likes to to run the ball. Stanford, obviously, we think is going to run the ball. They have some big offensive linemen, veteran offensive linemen. And we saw, you know, I believe it was just one time where, you know, that Rice offensive lineman got his hands on him and just washed him out. Those are the things he has to to play through as a six foot six, you know, 210 pound middle linebacker but for the most part he played really really well 
in that game. But as I, as we've said, Stanford, a different test, better athletes, better players than a Rice program. So we're going to see it. Uh, so right now, I would be leaning toward he'll be fine, but still got to see it in action. Still have to see it play out because he's not like a true freshman. He was a freshman All-American last year. He, yeah. he has experience. He knows what he has to do. There'll be times where, yes, he does get out leveraged at times where he guy gets his hands on him and he can't do anything about it. But I think for the most part, he'll he'll be okay. Yeah, I'm not worried about Eric Gentry. Like he comes in, you think, oh, maybe it's going to take a year. He's tall, he's skinny. And when people just start bringing up his name when you're talking about, you know, football practice and, and what's going on, you're like, oh, okay. And then when people are assuming he's going to be like third string, and then his mom tweets out, like, uh, he's running with the ones. And then we get to see, like, it, for what we get to see, it looks like he's running with the ones. We don't know if that's, you know, the the real depth chart that they were throwing out there when we were in practice. But we got to see them, you know, the what looked like the first team defense line up and, you know, do like a, a you know, whatever drill. that what, what kind of drill is that that they were doing? It's just like a... It's like a setup and and run to the ball drill. Maybe, or something. I call it a team pursuit drill. Pursuit drill. I like that pursuit drill. Uh, but he was there. He you know with the ones with that. So the fact that he's been able to come in not in the spring, came in later, and work work his way into the starting role. I think they feel pretty confident he can play, not just against Rice. Um, I think they think he could play against anyone. And I would do, I would agree. I don't I don't think there's that big of a concern there. Um, one last one of Frank and Sacramento again, Raylick Brown is smiling and pointing while being carted off the f- carted off after the game. No word on any injury from USC. Could a fake, could it be a fake to fool Stanford, Frank and Sacramento? I do not believe it's a fake. No, I think it was just in a good mood and it wasn't like a super serious injury. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it was that serious. And you know, the fact that we, you know, I, I tweeted out a video of him. Kind of karaokeing and, and the warm ups and stuff. You could kind of see him moving his feet, look fine. Like Chris said, you know, catching some balls on the side. By the time the game comes around, you know, I either way, if, if he doesn't even play against Stanford, I don't think it's that serious of an injury, like from what we've seen already. So I wouldn't worry about that, Frank. But yeah, they're not they're not faking an injury. So for that, I mean, that would that would be a lot. That would be. That, I, I think there'd be a lot of effort for not a lot of gain to like fake an injury and all that. But I don't know. It's college football. I guess they could do it. It's college football. Crazy things have happened. Crazy things in college but football. I, but I think it's a real injury. Yeah, no, it's I not, think. Like, yeah. yeah. It's not a subterfuge. Is that the word? Subterfuge. Sure, subterfuge. Um, yeah, I don't I don't think it's that. But, I mean, who knows? Uh, and that might be the last thing we ever talk about injuries ever again. No, no, no we won't. But, well, Chris, any final thoughts? We no, kinda... I mean, I'm just hitting on my fact that I'm excited to go on a road trip. Get up to NorCal. Going to see some USC commits up there Friday night. So it's going to be a busy weekend. Uh, lots of driving. But I'm excited. It's finally a, a, an exciting team to cover. At least from the first opening game. Number 10 team in the nation. Um, ready to get into Pac-12 play. I am ready for Pac-12 play too. I think this is a real... I don't think it's going to be a tough game. But it's a, it's a, it's a milestone game. It's the game that Clay Helton got fired. It's... Your Pac-12 opener, it's the first Pac-12 game for Lincoln Riley. It's the first road game for Lincoln Riley. There's a lot of reasons to perform well. And, you know, one thing, I, I was going to ask Riley about this. I've forgotten. Uh, it might have been tough for him to answer anyway. But I was on the Pac-12 radio this morning. And Evan Moore, who played at 
you know, Stanford was like, sometimes you get a, a home field advantage that's non-traditional when you're at Stanford. They're on the quarter system, just like UCLA. Students aren't there yet. Probably be a lot of open seats, probably not a lot of energy in that building. And it can be a weird place to play, you know, where you have to kind of bring your own energy. And I, you know, I, I would like to get your thoughts on this because I was asked by Evan, I'm like, you know, the way they've, the way Lincoln Riley's kind of motivated these guys, I feel like they can be a very good um, self-motivating team. And you might need to do that, you know, in that kind of environment, right? Where there's just, it's just not that much excitement going on. If you're not used to, you know, if you're used to playing in front of, you know, tens of thousands of people that are going crazy versus like a cavernous, you know, small stadium that's there's not that much going on. Uh, I don't know. Any thoughts on that, Chris? I think that's a good point uh, or an interesting point to kind of look at that. You know, I, I feel like uh, this was something that we talked about during the 2020 season when obviously there's no fans in the stands. So U- USC, we talked about the, the team talked about how. They needed to kind of generate that that excitement themselves on the sideline and kind of uh, be their own juice, be their own juice makers. And I think we saw a lot of that in the game on Saturday, kind of that that sideline hyping each other up. I saw coaches getting in the face of players when the energy was too low. So I think that little insulated bubble of the sideline will be will do just fine in terms of getting themselves hyped up and producing their own kind of juice, especially when you're making pick sixes. When you're making pick sixes and things pick sixes and things like that, you tend to get fired up pretty quick. So just making plays, and I think this team is ready to capitalize on the energy that they'll create once they make plays. And yeah. I think they will make plays. Yeah, I just looking at the way he's done this, I just I don't see like them walking in there and like there's nobody cheering and stuff is going to be like a big deal. I think they can they can come in and make it their own party, self-motivate, and and to be fine. So that's but that was the come from a Stanford guy, that was one of his concerns. So or concerns like, you know, questions like, hey, how's USA gonna handle this when they go in and, and how are they no gonna way. handle an empty stadium? <laughs> I don't know if it'll be empty. I mean, people this is the last like this is the last weekender, right? Like last time USC's gonna visit, maybe ever. Probably not ever, but maybe ever. It could be. Uh, so do you think people will come out for it? We'll see. Uh, but it sounds like for Evan, you know, he was saying, yeah, you're better off like not having that many people there. Cause it's like, it's a different kind of home field advantage, uh, than whatever. Okay. Well, I guess that's going to wrap things up again. Uh, my apologies if you were watching us on video and you, and we died in 15 minutes in, um, yeah, the feed died, but thank you for switching over to the podcast version and listening there and uh, people that just normally listen on the podcast version. Thank you very much for uh, doing that. You can check out our YouTube channel because there is a ton of video content going up if you like that. Uh, YouTube.com slash Inside Troy. Tons and tons of, of video stuff going up. Multiple shows per week. And then all the interviews and stuff that we do as well. And if you're not a VIP member, 75% off for the rest of the day on Tuesday. Make sure you jump in and take advantage of that. It's a big deal. It's the biggest sale we do. And it's the best USC info you can get anywhere. We've been doing this longer than anybody. We got more people covering the team. We got better people covering the team. No offense to everyone out there. Some people do a really good job. But we are usafootball.com for a reason. And I uh, hope you guys keep doing it and enjoying it. Chris, it's been fun to uh, chat with you about it. You, you don't need to get a membership, but you, you would sign up for one if you weren't a member, right? Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> Way to sell it. Way, Way to, sell to se- it. well, in the context of me being a USC fan, I'm not a USC fan. True. If it, if I was a Maryland fan, because I know probably the Maryland side's having it, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But if you want me to put myself in the shoes of a USC fan looking at our site, absolutely. Cough it up. <laughs> Join us. You can bug me all the time on the P. You can. You can you can uh, bug P. Uh, you can bug Chris on the bug P. P. Bug P. Bug P. Uh, all right. Well, that will wrap things up. For Chris Dorito, I am Ryan Abraham. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show. And we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.